this is Lloyd Gullett with 606 Paranormal. We are listening to the Mountain Mysteries in Lexington, Kentucky. Take it away, Chris. A production of Sloan Studios. The following may contain strong language and adult situations with depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. The light started to appear. And that's when I realized that this was death. This was my death. When I died, I was 31. What I experienced from that moment on just changed my life forever. My name is Betty J. Edie. I am 78 years old. I had a near-death experience. My name is Jessie Sawyer, and I've had a near-death experience. If anybody had told me 10 years ago that I would have had a near-death experience, I would not have believed them. I didn't believe in these things. I didn't even believe in God anymore. While no two near-death experiences are the same, those of us that research them see a very consistent pattern of elements. Very often there's that life-threatening event. The person's nearly dead, they're unconscious, or they may not even have a heartbeat. At that time, they have what's called an out-of-body experience. Consciousness separates from the body and typically goes above the body. They may then go into or through a tunnel. They often see a mystical, unearthly, brilliant light at the end of the tunnel. At the end of the tunnel, they may enter an unearthly, beautiful realm. They may see their deceased relatives at at loving reunions, even deceased pets. By this time, they're typically feeling overwhelming, positive emotions. They really feel like this realm that seems unearthly to us is really their home. It's a question people have asked since we've walked this earth. What happens next? A light at the end of the tunnel, seeing loved ones that have passed on before you. Colors that you could never possibly imagine. And a feeling of peace, love, and unconditional acceptance. Now, some people believe that the other side of that coin is eternal pain, torment, hopelessness, and a darkness that we simply can't wrap our minds around. Or... Is it just nothing, nothing at all, oblivion, silence, and darkness? It's a question that's been asked since people have walked the earth. What happens to us when we die? What I think will happen after I die? Hmm. Probably nothing. I just think there's like a nothing, endlessness, and um, yeah, it's forever black. That's what I think. I genuinely have no idea. Uh, and I'm pretty comfortable not knowing because it's uh, I don't think it's something that we'll ever know so why bother thinking about it <laughs> what happens after you die hmm. the the net energy that you brought to this world so if you brought about more positive experiences than negative will go back to rejuvenate the earth and contribute to whatever the future of the world is cool that was a that was a great response Ben. <laughs> um yeah i think <laughs> this is intense um i think i think if you lived a good life uh and you had a positive impact on those around you that it will be a sad mourning process for them but i think they're going to be left with 
a, a feeling of happiness that they got to share that moment with you. In terms of your actual body, I think I think you kind of go on the ground and kind of go back into the the earth. And I would like to think there's a spiritual end to it or reincarnation or some sort of element, but I'm not too sure. I don't think anything happens after you die. I think we just die. Right, that, that's, that's actually a really tough question. Um, I'm sure that the people who stay behind like will remember me and like I, I don't know what happens afterwards but like surely like the world that goes on after that like the people who are closest to you will always remember you even though the time keeps moving on and it just world keeps moving but for the people you were close to like for those people you will always you know stay there for them in a way where do I think I will go? I don't know. Maybe because I'm from India and Hindu religion, so maybe I'll be reincarnated again, probably, or like it would be the end of my life. But like, you know, you cannot you cannot be sure about that. But what I can be sure about that the people who are here, right? Those will keep remembering you, and yeah, I guess I would say that. I don't really know. Um, I guess. It's weird because, like, I feel like you wouldn't really feel anything because your conscious would end. But uh, you also, like, I don't know if like conscious can really like perceive itself ending. So I guess you probably think feeling or think you're feeling like whatever you last thought, and you're not actually feeling anything. It's, it's just, who knows? Is there anything after this life? Is there something more waiting for us? If there is, what would that be? Is it the heaven that so many people imagine, or something different? Is hell as tormenting as we are led to believe, or maybe even worse? This question has inspired the imagination of people from all walks of life all over the world. Now, Christians commonly believe in a heaven where the righteous are rewarded with love, peace, and everlasting life while those of lesser character and who caused malice and harm to others in this life would suffer an eternal punishment in the fires of a tormenting hell. Catholicism beliefs are similar with many believing in a place in between the two called purgatory. In Roman Catholic doctrine, purgatory is a place or state of pain occupied by the souls of sinners who are atoning for the acts that they committed in this life before entering heaven. Many people particularly followers of Hindu religions, also believe in reincarnation, where a soul is reborn into a new life form. Beliefs vary as widely as people's personalities do, that's a fact. And it spawned a lot more questions than it's ever answered. But there's one thing in common with most of the beliefs, that there is an afterlife. In this episode of The Mountain Mysteries, we'll hear from people who have been involved with near-death experiences or NDEs and people who have been investigating these claims, as well as people who have investigated hauntings, be it residual or intelligent, and explain the difference and the dangers that come along with the investigations. These are The Mountain Mysteries, and this is episode number 53, Afterlife. What comes next?
Over 24% of the 1.9 billion square acres in America alone, the mountains that so many people call home, also play host to some of the most staggering mysteries in the world. The missing. And she said, I knew I wasn't there anymore. The murdered. All my emotions just went blank, just like, just blank. And I still live with that today. I think about that so much today as he was in that water. Strange creatures. Whatever it was that was standing up. I'm out here looking through the window now and I don't see anything. I don't want to go outside. I mean, it was a, nope, we need to get out of town. Unexplained lights and sightings. It does not look like an airplane. They come together and then they separate and they just keep doing this all the time. These stories may be strange. They may be sad. They may be odd but they are mysterious. These are the Mountain Mysteries, and now your host, Chris Sloan. Human beings and their ancestors have been walking around on this planet for somewhere around six million years. And people now, though, who are the modern form of human beings, evolved around 300,000 years ago. Human civilizations began forming around 6,000 years ago. Now, since that time, the question has been the same. What happens when we die? Becky Hawkins is a renowned nurse, chaplain, and author of many works on the subject of what happens at the moment we pass away and talks about some of what she believes we can expect with her over 30 years of experience dealing with death and dying. So, I talked the little fella into calming down just a little bit, got him in the chair, got the stuff that I needed, sudged up his feet. He's still ranting and raving. He's still praising God and wanting everybody to give their money to Oral Roberts. And I'm soaping him up, soaping him up. You know, this was the old days, the long wards where the beds were lined up. VA hospital different ones, different diagnosis. I'm taking care of him and in walks one of his buddies who is a paranoid schizophrenic. And my patient says to him, hey, where you been, what have you been doing, what are you going, what's going on, what's happening? They don't want you to ask them that stuff. And so he walks over to my patient, hits him right between the eyes right here. <laughs> it wasn't funny, but at the time, Blood is going everywhere. I got under the first bed I could find, and I started screaming, help, you know, for the orderlies to come and get me and come and rescue me, because I thought, you know, I'm gonna die here trying to trim somebody's toenails. This isn't pretty. This isn't what I was planning on. Well, my little patient is screaming too. He's carrying carrying on, carrying on, you know, and just and screaming for help, and the orderlies <laughs> come in, and they get the poor little confused guy and take him off, and, and uh, my patient's sitting there, and. He goes, well, thanks be to God. The little nurse was screaming and saved my life. Glory be to God. Give all your money to Oral Roberts. <laughs> so my supervisor walks in and she goes, Becky, you can come out now. So I crawled out from under the bed and sat with my patient and visited with him some more. When I got back to the hospital room where uh, we were having our, our little nurse's meeting, uh, my supervisor said to me, did you learn anything today? And I said, yes, ma'am, I did. She said, okay. 
I said, can I go early tomorrow morning and pray with him before he has surgery? I think he's kind of into prayer. And she said, yes, get permission and you can go. So I went and he'd had his medication and he was calmed down a little bit. And I said a prayer with him and went to do my work and came back after his surgery to go to ICU and check on him. I couldn't find him. And so I went to the nurse's desk and I told them who I was looking for. And they said, sweetheart, he died in surgery. He wasn't crazy. He knew what he was hearing. One evening at a fundraiser dinner in our local community, a very kind lady pulled me aside and said, say, Becky, you know, I've been reading your stories in the newspaper, and uh, you had one about a near-death experience the other day, and I had one when I was four years old. Um, will you call me so we can get together and talk about it? So I did, and I went to her home and visited with her. We sat down at her kitchen table. Beautiful woman in her 70s, very strong, very positive, very precious. She said, well, you know, I was four years old and I had polio. I was in the hospital in the children's ward, hospital in Tulsa. There again, many, many, many years ago, the beds were lined up. She said there were little white metal beds lined up. She said, I was in so much pain. I didn't think I could stand it. And her father was at her bedside with her and she saw the nuns and watched them going up and down the hallways to take care of the children. She was in such terrible pain, and all of a sudden she said she was out of her little body and racing above it, and watching her dad try to, you know, get her going again. He was, he was concerned, he could tell. She wasn't breathing anymore. And she said, Becky, I was in the most beautiful place. She said it was all light, and it was bright, and I was surrounded as like it was a cocoon of warmth, and I was um, not hurting anymore. There was no more pain. And she said, I saw the nuns come from the other end of the hall, rushing towards my body. She said, I was filled with such indescribable love. I cannot find a word to tell you what it was like. There was so much peace. But I could see my father's anguish at the thought of losing me. And all of a sudden, I was back in my body with all the horrible pain. And I tried to tell him, Dad, I died. And he said, shh, don't tell anyone that. That was just a dream. Years and years later, when these first books started coming out, she read them. And she said, at that point I knew it was not a dream, just as I had thought it was real. When I was working in hospice, a spouse of one of my patients called our office to ask that I come over right away. He was a very precious elderly man, white shock of hair, a little Pentecostal minister. His wife was his second wife. The first one had passed years before, and this wife had been one of his parishioners. And she felt like it was improper to call him by his name, uh, first name. So she called him Brother Talbert. So Brother Talbert was um, 
sitting in a blue recliner, and he was bluer than his recliner when I got there. She did not do well with this whole scenario. Her safety net was pulling her apron up and running to the kitchen, and that's exactly what she did. She ran back in there. He said, she'll be okay. But she said, he said, can you get me to my bed? And I said, yes. And I literally picked the little fella up and I carried him to his bed, hospital bed, that was there in the living room by a big picture window. And outside of that was what he liked to look at. His parsonage, there's, you know, the church, I mean, and then the tree that was about, oh, two or 300 years old out there. He loved those things very much. So I straddled him, I got in behind him, and I had him sitting straight up. He was agonal, and his breathing was very labored and very short. He could not get air. So he felt better if I held him up very straight, and I had my fingertips on his shoulders, and he patted me, and he said, Becky, do you see them? And I said, no, but tell me what you're seeing, because I'd had too many people tell me. He said, sweetheart, the room, is full of angels now. He said, they're all over. They're over here on this side and they're over here on this side. He said, they're all over. He said, Annie, I have to go. I love you. I'll see you again. And he held up his right arm and he said, my Lord. And he fell back against me on my chest. This man was on no pain medicine. It was his heart and his lungs that were damaged from chemo and radiation in the 70s, which was caustic, even more so than now. That's what he was dying from. Was he hallucinating? Not in my books. I believe that man. He gave me another new hope that made me understand how indeed holy that ground is when we are with those loved ones that are transitioning and that veil is parted. If what you are hearing is true, then we must at least consider the afterlife as something viable, something that is real. I didn't say that it is, but in the course of intelligent conversation, we have to consider it, it is possible. A solid question here is, okay, where's the proof? Well, You'd not be the only one to ask that question by a long shot. As a matter of fact, there are teams of people searching for that evidence, and by teams, I mean quite literally teams. You can call them ghost hunters, paranormal investigators, or whatever you'd like. They've gained popularity with several television programs, such as Jason Hawes in Ghost Hunters, Ryan Buell's Paranormal State, or Stephen Amy in The Dead Files, and too many more to mention that I have the time to do so. The fact of the matter from my meager observances, though, have been that while many do this out of a genuine desire to help others, there are those who have gone as far as to actually charge distraught families who are experiencing something that they believe is paranormal and in many cases as frightening to them as the gates of hell yawning before them. Now, that's not saying that all investigators are like that, not at all, but there are a few select ones. But then again, you can't let a couple of bad apples ruin the bunch, as they say. The ones we focus on here, though, do this out of their own pockets. But do they want something in return? Yes. They want answers. You see, they're not in this for the money, but they're in this for the answers and to help other people. Many times, they're spawned by their own personal experiences. 
They want answers to questions like, what happens after we die? What can we expect in those final moments before and after death? And is there a heaven? And if there is, why would spirits linger around this place? Earth. Many theories may indicate that spirits linger, perhaps, because they have some sort of unfinished business or they're trying to communicate some message or intent to someone or to those they left behind. While this is a definite possibility, there are also dangers presented in investigating otherworldly activity. For example, imagine being in a chat room and you meet someone. While they present to you information that is what you hope to hear, or at the very least, you're okay with it. While they present themselves in one way, however, the truth can lie in an entirely different realm. Spirit boards or Ouija boards, as they are known in some places, have had extremely dire consequences attached to them by some of the most reputable paranormal investigators. And it's for that very reason. They may tell you one thing, but the reality of the situation may be something entirely different. Even experienced investigators have been known to get attachments. John Marshall, host of Beyond the Paranormal podcast, which can be heard on YouTube and Spotify, talks to us about his experiences right after this. The Mountain Mysteries podcast is now available for free. Learn more about cases like the Mothman of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, the Appalachian Hiking Trail, and hear from the families affected by these and other mysteries and their aftermath. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and where podcasts are found. Follow us on Facebook at The Mountain Mysteries. New episodes drop Fridays. The Mountain Mysteries. Stay mysterious. Follow The Mountain Mysteries on Facebook.com forward slash The Mountain Mysteries. On Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash The Mountain Mysteries. And support us on Patreon. Links are on the homepage. www.themountainmysteriespodcast.com Stay mysterious. Download the Mountain Mysteries podcast on your favorite listening device free right now to hear episodes featuring Lorraine Warren and hear episodes about crimes and mysteries in our own backyard and more. You can also learn more by visiting the website at themountainmysteriespodcast.com. Get the chills and stay mysterious. Available on Apple, Spotify, Audible, and where podcasts are found. Stay mysterious. We now return to the Mountain Mysteries episode 53, Afterlife. We had the opportunity to sit down with podcast host John Marshall, the title of his podcast, Beyond the Paranormal, and he shared some of his experiences with us. Let's start out by talking about how long you were involved, and well, you still are, but how long have you been involved with, uh, as a paranormal investigator? How much time have you spent with that? Six years the first time, and, and I took a long, long break, and so now I'm just now getting back into it. Uh, I haven't done an investigation, I would say, more than 10, 15, maybe 10, 11 years, man. I'm just now, you know, getting back into the swing of things. So do you think that life after death is real? I mean, is it feasible? What's your thoughts on that? I've got my own beliefs, you know. There, mm-hmm. there's, there's a part of me that wants to believe, and there's a part of me that just says, who knows? I'm still on that fence. I, I Like I said, I really want to believe, but... Oh, some of the evidence you've caught before with EVPs, which are electronic voice phenomena. I remember some years back that you actually came to me with several Class A EVPs, and they were very compelling. As a matter of fact, 
uh, let's go ahead and take a listen to a couple of those right now because I did keep those for whatever reason. It turns out this is a pretty good reason. So we've got several of those that we're going to play right now. And these are EVPs. These are electronic voice phenomena. Basically, the premise behind this is you use some kind of a recorder, be it analog or digital. You ask questions into the air. Uh, and even if you're alone, which we would not recommend. Uh, as a matter of fact, we wouldn't recommend anybody trying to gather EVPs without the assistance of an experienced investigator. But in this first one, you were at a location and as soon as you got done talking, you got a response out of something, and that response said, Don't touch me there. Once again, and this time we're going to enhance the audio a little bit. Well, there's a lot more where that came from. For example, you were at a location and you asked somebody, What's your wife's name? And the response was quite clear. There it was, Crystal. That's what you call a Class A EVP, when it's quite easy to understand whatever is trying to be communicated. But maybe the one that got me more than anything was when John had spoken to the recorder and he had asked, were you hurt here by someone? And the response was, come and play, in the voice of a child. Were you hurt here by someone or something? Were you hurt here by someone or something? Were you hurt here by someone or something? Uh, does that sway you in any way? I mean, you know, how would you define life after death? Well, I mean, well, I mean it's like we've talked before. It could be residual, just energy that's been, you know, stuck there that plays over and over and over, you know. Um does your soul really go? You know what I mean? It's like, there's so many questions that I still have. And, and there's so many things that, uh, you know, sway my, you know, answer that way. It's just, who knows if it's actually really legit of, you know, there is life after death. I mean, it could be anything that's messing with you, you know, to make you believe that you are communicating with something that is actually, you know, a, a good thing. You know, a lot of people think everything you get to EVP of is bad. Who knows? I don't know. Mm -hmm. you know. Say it's that person that you're going to, that's who you're getting. Who's to say that, you know, all this evidence is all legit. Uh, I mean, something's there. I'll say that. It's something. But to say what it is, I don't know, man. I mean, it could be, like I said, energy that's just kept in time, like a timestamp. I, I just, I don't know. I want to believe, but I I just still have my doubts. Well, a lot of paranormal investigators have a classified hauntings as, uh, I guess, I suppose you could say one of three things, intelligent mm -hmm. or um, what you were talking about, which is, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's residual. Residual. Or uh, some people even say demonic. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had Lorraine Warren on before, and her husband was... Uh, I mean, I, to me, the, the most prevalent statement that uh, he had ever made, that Ed had ever made, was the fairy tale is real. Demons exist, angels exist, and, you know, God and the devil exist. And, you know, our very destiny decides or hinges on who we elect to follow. I, you know, that's paraphrasing his quote. But 
during your time as a paranormal investigator, did you ever run across any kind of intelligent EVPs, like a direct response? Kind of like saying, hey, Chris, it's John. How you doing? And John saying, hey, Chris, what's up? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had EVPs where I say, you know, what's your name? And then it'll come back and it'll say, hello, John. You know, when you start to pick that up several times, it's like, okay, do I have an attachment? Do I have something that he, that's something, you know, it really knows me if this is something I want to, you know, get into, you know, a little bit further because like I said, it's like Russian roulette. You don't know what, you know, you don't know, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it, yeah, it has, it has uh, startled me uh, several times uh, with it being uh, knowledgeable and intelligent because when you ask those direct, you know, those questions, you get that direct answer. It's like, whoa, <laughs> it's like, what do we do? I mean, it's my opinion that when you're messing around with a Ouija board or a spirit board, as they call it, uh, it's kind of like being online and you're in a chat room. I don't even know if those things still exist. I'm assuming they do. But you're you're in a chat room and you're talking up somebody and they say, well, yeah, I'm a 21-year-old guy from Naples, Florida, or from wherever in the U.S. or world. And come to find out, it's really a 68-year-old guy from Russia yep. who is a, a predator. Uh, you, you don't know, you know, just because I say, hey, I'm Chris and I live here and I'm this age doesn't mean that I'm Chris and I live there and that I'm that age. You don't know what you're going to get coming through. So that's a definite danger. But would that not allude to the possibility that uh, there is life after death? I mean, have you ever encountered any direct evidence of that? Yeah, I mean, I've had experiences. Some of my family has had experiences as well. Um, like for me personally, you know, I've had when I was little, I remember this to this day. I had my uh, dresser drawer open up and, and had, you know, socks and things thrown at me. Mm-hmm. My cousin was here. He can vouch for me. He, you know, he, he was there. It happened. Um, and I'm looking up trying to find out who's at the, you know, at the doorway. There's nobody in the doorway. And he's freaking out. I'm like, look, man, just go back to sleep. <laughs> just go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to see what's coming here. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to no. see what's going on. No, and then uh, later on, you know, uh, when I got the paranormal, I brought something home with me, and that was a that was a bout in in its own, you know. Um, Tell me about that. Thank God it's gone. I just had had got out of the paranormal, and then some things just started happening here. Like you know, I'd hear people talking, which I live I live in the apartments, and I thought it was just people outside and stuff. But no, these are like multiple people talking. You know, in my in my house, and my mom was not home one night, and um, and there were just multiple people talking. And so, the shower curtain in my room, in my bathroom, is like right next to the bathroom's like right next to my room. You know, and I hear this is like two o'clock in the morning. I hear the shower curtain pull back, and I hear this rattling like chains, just rattling. And you know, and I, I'm taught to like say, hey. You know, stand up, fight back. This is my place, you know, and all that stuff. And and then and at the time, I had cross. I had a cross on my door and cross above me here on my wall behind or in front of me where I sat at. And I could see a like a figure, an outline, and it stood right there at my door and wouldn't come through because I'm I'm thinking it was a cross that was there, but I could see it standing there. And I screamed to the top of my lungs, "Get out! You're not welcome here." By the name of Jesus Christ, I grabbed my Bible that's next to me here. And then this thing just like took off. 
So I didn't hear this. My neighbor the next morning, I was outside sitting because I couldn't sleep after that. I was just rattled all night long. I was thinking, you know, thank God this thing's over with. And there's a different atmosphere in my apartment, you know, just totally different. My neighbor comes outside and she's like, did you do anything around 2.30 this morning? I was like, yeah, yeah. I won't go lie, Chris. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, yeah, there was, there was something going on over here. She said, whatever it was came through my apartment screaming, made the biggest screech ever, and then it was gone. That's when you evoked the name of Christ. Yep. And I was like, well, she's like, I told you not to be doing this paranormal stuff. She's like, when you go out and you do these EVPs and stuff, she's like, that's just saying you're playing with a Ouija board pretty much. And she's right. You know, when you do EVPs, it's just same as doing a Ouija board. You know, you don't know what you're going to get. Right. You don't know who or what is going to come through. And if you evoke the name of Christ and this thing took off screaming, that points in one direction to me. And it's not a direction that is friendly. It's not a direction that's a good thing. No, and a long time ago, man, this is after we did your house. Uh, Mm -hmm. We investigated a location. I got real sick at the end of the investigation coming home. And I was like, man, I've got to go home. I'm not feeling good. I just, I need to throw up. Basically, I needed to throw up. That's exactly what happened. I come home, I'm coughing. And I thought I was just getting a flu, but I I kept saying, I need to throw up. Well, I heard it. My mom was asleep and she heard it. I coughed and I stopped to catch my breath. And you hear a young child do it, like mock me, like, <laughs> and mom goes, please tell me that was you. I said, like, no, that was not me. And so I, I think what that was, and I, you know, I tried that not to get rid of it, whatever, but I think what it was, it maybe was attached to me and then became more prominent, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. More in strength. Right, exactly. And then, um, man, from then on, it was just, it was just hell. I'll just say it was pure hell. Um, but I mean, now it's a totally different atmosphere, just totally different. So, so much different. What got you into investigating the paranormal to begin with? Well, just basically what this paranormal or what, what this show's about. <laughs> Pretty mm-hmm. much it's like, you know, I, I had questions of, of like, is there life after death, you know, and, and trying to communicate with my father and things like that. And then it's like, after you do it for so long, you get so much evidence. What more do you need? You know, it's like, you know, I have my proof, but then after I got out of, I started thinking real heavily on it. Like, like I mentioned earlier, like, wow, was we really communicating with something that was good or was we really communicating with something that was you know, lying to you to make you, you know, believe it. And and places can consume you in many, many, many hours upon hours on one location. And that's their trick, man. That That's the trick to lure you back. They give you just enough. They give you just that little bit of taste, man. Yep. And you keep coming back until it becomes all obsessive. You know, I think one of the places that probably stands out to most of us, um, at least in America, is Waverly Hills. Yeah. That stands out big. But, you know, you live uh, around the southeastern Kentucky region. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of places there, too, that are, I mean, you know, you provided me with some of the most, uh, I mean, some of these EVPs would make one catatonic. They were just, you know, you got to go back and listen to them again and again. And they 
Uh, most of what you provided me was with they were what's called Class A EVPs. Yes, sir. To whereas you can hear them clearly as a bell. One that is obviously standing out in my mind right now is one in which I think you were in a home that at one point was a funeral home. Yes, sir. And the voice comes across and, you know, I can hear you clearly saying, you know, would you like, you know, will you talk with me or something along that effect? And you hear what sounds like the voice of a child say, no, you're holding that rotten baby. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the story behind that one. That's the thing. I wasn't holding anything. You know, I Mm -hmm. just just ask the question. And that's the answer that I got. You know, that place was a funeral home that got turned into a home. You know, I don't know that I could live in something like that. And here's the crazy part, man. I don't know if I ever told you this or not, but we went back later on after that. And we call regular Baptist preaching. Like really? somebody was in a full sermon. Yeah. We put the recorder up in the attic, and that's what happened. We left it overnight. An old Baptist preaching. It was wild. If it's it sounded like and it's right beside of a, a railroad track, you know, supposedly railroad tracks give off energy yeah. to bicep things more. Plus there was a thunderstorm that night, which that adds more intensity to it. Mm-hmm. So it comes in screech, and that's what I've always found out, Chris, is like when we go back and review our evidence and stuff from when we did, you know, we'd hear like these like time changes between now to the EVP comes in. There's like a like a switch. It's like the screech or there's something that comes across. And this this thing comes in like a freight train. I mean screeching and then here you hear the old rab the old regular Baptist preaching. And I mean, it goes for just a little bit, but it's really good. And it just tapers off like nothing ever happened. I mean, just dead. Pun the thing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, just wild. I don't know, man. This is kind of getting my itch going again, but still in the back of my mind, it's like, I don't want to go back through what I went through. No, I can completely understand that. Um, you know, and I, th- I think that being as safe as you can be when you're investigating something like this or when you're looking into something like this or you show up at a location like this you know you got you got to remember um ed and lorraine warren probably set the standard for a lot of and they definitely inspired a lot of people to ask more questions and to look into things deeper but i mean even they had you know the warren museum on the occult which housed some of the most haunted artifacts and objects in the world from the annabelle doll to um you know the thing that you saw and the original Conjuring, which was based on the Perrin family, and then you had uh, the thing, you know, the infield poltergeist, you know, the little carousel thing, uh, you know. But even they had said, you know, th- this this is a very dangerous thing, you know. If, if you go into this and you take it lightly, well, we all have heard the stories about the Annabelle doll, about the guy on the motorcycle that came from a school and laughed at it and said, "Well, scratch me, you're not that bad," and he got killed on his way home. Yeah. Uh, to the preacher that come over and he said, you know, uh, how was it? He said, uh, he said, God is more powerful than any demon. And Ed said, yeah, God is, but no man is. Mm-hmm. And that preacher who had just bought a brand new car had a wreck on the way home, almost killed him. 
So, you know, we have to take things like that into account, which tells, I mean, you know, if you believe in these things, then it, it kind of points to me that there very well could be something out there. Uh, let me ask you this question, maybe a more poignant question. Sure. Do you think that after we die that this is it? It's oblivion? Lights out? No more? I hope not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope not because it, 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 you know, I think about that and it, and it scares me. I mean, it honestly absolutely chills me to my bone. That's why, you know, I try to take advantage of life every day and, and do stuff that, you know, comes my way. You know what I mean? Right. Knowing my limitations, you know, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, man, I, I hope because if not, then, you know, what's all this stuff that we really believe in? You know, I mean, I'll be the first to publicly admit I follow God. I follow Christ. I, I believe in them specifically uh, and I believe in them vigorously. Uh, they've they've interacted in my life way too much for me not to. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the same token, faith is what is it they say? Faith is, you know, n- it's not getting what you want, but it, it's knowing that you're going to be okay, no matter what, because God's with you and He's He's protecting all of us. You know, as as much as we'll let Him. What was the most active place that you had ever investigated that you'd ever looked into? Oh man, that's got to be the house that was turned into a funeral home. I think that was our most active location that we've been to. Or the funeral home into a house, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Okay, okay. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> so, so it was bad. But I mean, you, yeah. you got to look at how many people that had passed away had been through there. Exactly. That place to me is it would be a a paranormal investigator's dream. Uh, and I, I don't mean that to be like, oh, it's like a Walmart. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. Yeah. If you need to investigate or whatever to learn your stuff, right there's right there's where you need to go learn your craft. And, do, you, do you remember how long that place was a funeral home before being converted? I don't remember. Um, I wouldn't say at least 10, 15 years, maybe maybe a little bit longer. At so least for a long time. Yeah. And here's a, here's a, here's another thing too. Is like there were two by fours up in the attic that had like embalmer on it and had the Undertaker on it and everything. Really. It's wild. Yeah, I got photos of that actually. I've never never shown them to anybody except for the you know, the team at that time. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild looking. I was like, wow, that's crazy. So it had been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, uh, you said that you're kind of on the fence about this, and, and I can respect that. But you've also demonstrated some of the dangers that people may face by doing this. Would you have any advice for anybody looking to do any kind of research or any kind of investigations? If that's your cup of tea and if that's something that interests you and you want to find out and, and research on it and do your own thing, you know, do it. If that's what interests you, just, you know, remember that it's not playing a game. It's not, hey, I'm going to go over here and go. It's like go fishing. You know, it's like you take your chances, you know, it's just, it's just like going deer hunting. I, I would find a reputable group that knows what they're doing and not showboat and showcase and all that stuff. And, you may have to go away from here to do that. Um, but if that what's interests you, just remember there is consequences that could follow this, just like with anything. Absolutely. For every decision that you make, there's a consequence to it. That makes perfect sense. So you would definitely recommend that somebody mentor under someone oh, yeah, that has been sure. doing this for a while. For sure. And I want to jump back here for a little bit. Like you mentioned Waverly Hills. Mm-hmm. I-, I went to Waverly Hills stayed overnight investigated it didn't have anything happen other than i smelled bread fresh bread baking 
and I had an EVP that said, put your jacket on, John, because I said I was cold. Other than that, that was it. I could have slept there the whole night. One of the things that we also have to remember, you know, if you run across something like this, and it is a human spirit, Mm -hmm. I think respect should be made and paid. Uh, You know, I I think one of the worst things that somebody can do is come in there and start provoking disrespectfully. Uh, Because, you know, imagine if you're sitting at home and somebody just walks into your home and they start... You know, saying some of the things that some people say, uh, calling you names or trying to get you, you know, you're going to get a response. All right. But it may not be the response you're hoping for. Yeah. You know, it may be something that very well does. You know, um, I know I keep referring to them because I've studied them some some deal at length. And I actually had the opportunity and a blessing to talk with Lorraine Morin some years ago before she passed. But uh, Ed always referred to it as uh, bubblegum on your shoe. He said some of these things are, he said they stick with you and they follow you around. Oh, yeah. And that's when it's no longer a location that becomes haunted, but a person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you got a small taste of that, I think. Yep. And, uh, it, you know, I'm going to ask this question just point blank. Was it something that you'd recommend to anybody else? No, no, sirree. If you think that you have something that's already with you or whatever, do not get into this because it's just going to make it tenfold. It's going to make it worse. And if you don't want to mess with it to start with, then don't mess with it to start with. Exactly. And and just like you said, you know, when you do investigations, folks, and for the ones who do the research and they find out what's going on there, yeah, just these are people too. So just be respectful regardless of what you get. You know, just be respectful to to these people because you don't want somebody disrespecting you or calling you names or making you mad or whatever, because they're going to be the same thing. You know, if, if they're intelligent and they know they're going to shut up, they're not going to do anything. They're just going to go away. You're not going to get nothing. You're absolutely right. I agree with that. John, thanks so much for being on with us. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm always here for you, brother. And what's the name of your podcast again? Beyond the Paranormal Podcast on YouTube and Spotify. There are certainly are similarities in the core beliefs of most religions. The good go here, the bad go there. Well, it's the same thing, in my opinion, as this little thing we call karma. But perhaps the difference is, when most people speak of karma, they refer to it in the here and now, in this life. But what we're talking about is finality. A lot of religions believe that once you've gone on, there is no making it right after this happens. We all only have so much time to try to make an amends, and once that time is up, well, it's done. Or is it? It stands to reason that a loving God would not want his children to spend an eternity in torment, even if that's what some may deserve. This could be another reason why some spirits are earthbound. Fear of judgment. Stacia Underwood-Gullett is a paranormal investigator for 606 Paranormal. And she had her first experiences as a very young child. I never knew, you know, back when we were young children, I never knew that you had had these experiences. But first, Asia, thank you so much. Love you so much. And so glad that you're with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love you. What was your first experience? What got it started for you? Well, I really had to, you know, give away my age and all since I'm 35. But mm-hmm. back in yeah. the 70s, you know, when we were when we were little babies, yeah, um, mm-hmm. 
I really didn't know that it was paranormal at the time. And I thought that, you know, everybody had an Indian in their closet. So kind of started off with me noticing I would, we had a big indoor like walk through type closet in one of those old ranch style homes. Yeah. And, uh, I would, you could see that the door crack itself open a little bit and you walk by and I would look in there and it was like a see-through Indian. I could see completely through him. Now, as a but child, me, as, no, me as a four-year-old, he did not scare me in the least. He, if anything, I think he was peaceful. I think he was maybe just watching to see what was going on. Um, there was also times that he would appear to me um, with different headdresses on. I know one thing I can really remember vividly was he had a black wolf headdress and it showed the whole complete top of the wolf and the skin and everything down to here, but I couldn't see anything past his waist ever. So it was just transparent. It it wasn't in that, you know, and more than, than frightening, it was really kind of beautiful. But he always was at peace, and I never, ever felt any danger from him. I never thought, you know, and I told mom about it a little later. And, um, you know, I think that she's always been able to see things herself. Mm -hmm. And she just kind of smiled, and she said, you know, there are many spirits that, you know, that we, we can and can't see around us always. So you come by this gift, honestly, apparently. I do believe I do, although she doesn't talk about it much. And I really, up until the last couple of years, I've really been pretty much secretive about everything. But I ran into a few cases where I had to help. You know, I had to help these children. I had to help the elderly. That's what I'm here for. Do you think that there's a stigma attached to people with this gift? That, you know, that they're afraid to come out and say... Well, you know, this is what I just happens. I can do these things. And then people look at them like, you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I didn't want to get that started and then, you know, be made fun of for anything out of the ordinary. And plus, you know, I, I always wanted to just, you know, work on my gift and do everything that I could, you know, to, to help people and, you know, to see what I can see for me, to learn everything that I possibly could for me. Over the course so that of I years. can use that. I make, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Over the course of the years, did this continue or was there like a lull or were you always able to experience these things? Always, always. We we moved from that area. Um, That was an area a little little bit on the outskirts of town there. And there's a little story that goes with that too. Um, I'll have to tell you about that one. So we moved uh, to town uh, to a house that had been empty for many years. And um, we weren't in the house probably two days until I saw uh, the owner walk right through the wall. So, you know, this was when I was maybe five years old at this time, six. Mm-hmm. So is any, it seems like anywhere I would go, I would go to my friend's house, look on their steps. There would be a man sitting there, you know, and then I later learned that there was a man that passed there in the 50s from a heart attack just little things and it actually got to the point where i didn't want to see things anymore if that if that makes sense i tried to push it off i tried to just look down everywhere i go i I don't want to see anything else 
I tried to push it away. And so uh, of course, like that didn't work. Character in um, uh, the Sixth Sense. Uh, yeah, right. I just I, I didn't. I, it wasn't because I was fearful or afraid. I was just tired of it. I see. Is that what drives you? What What drives me is just like the the case I went on, and I really don't even want to call it a case. It was a cry for help. I went on a cry for help about two weeks ago um, to a place out in the county, and um, it was a family. It was um, a married couple and their daughter. She's eight, and they've been having all kinds of problems in their home. Well, they have all kinds of evidence. They have all kinds of cameras going through their house, showing me all this stuff, these chairs lifting up and twisting around, and and this this thing coming out and talking to their little girl and acting like it's another little girl and then it's not and then it's showing itself evilly to the mom and so a few other bad things had happened so she called me actually a friend of hers called me first and then asked me to help so i went i went to them and i first talked to her daughter and i sat down with her for about 20 minutes and and we talked and she told me everything that she'd seen and all the things that this entity had talked to her about. And, you know, the mom, you know, also had, had told me before, she's been doing this all of her life. She's like, she's always talking to, to things or telling me, mommy, this, this one said this to me or this said that. And what it turns out is she has a gift also and, you know, I tried to explain to her mom, no matter how hard that we try to get rid of these entities that are in your home, whether it's one, one day, five the next, they never know. But they come to her because they know she can help them. Either, you know, it's like you and I spoken before about this, either they're afraid of judgment there's there's something that's keeping them here something that's grounding them here or to that land nearby something is going on but they are looking to this child for help and yes she can see them hear them describe them to you she knows where they're at i mean it's it's terrorizing her but it's like i told her you know i'll be there for no matter what i said you know if it's three o'clock in the morning honey you facetime me I've been there. I know what you're going through. You're stronger than it is. And so I sat down and gave her some some coping techniques and things to say and do, as well as I did the same thing with the mother. And the mom had, is the one who had the most problems with physical. Um, it's been attacking the mom while she's asleep. You mean like scratches, claw marks? Um... Worse. 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 Okay, I'm getting... in a, like a crawls up in the bed on on her legs, rips her legs apart, attacks her thighs. Just we're talking awful. about we're talking about activity that uh, is kind of like a incubus or a succubus. Exactly. Or, yeah, a whatever se- sexual, the thing is. Sexual yes. in, in its orientation. Yep. Okay. Whatever it is, it's very violent and. And I told her, you know, we can we can try to try our best to do this and get rid of them, but with her gift, it's going to come right back. 
it's going to come right back. And I hated so bad to tell her that. Hmm. So we tried, you know, to cleanse the home. We, we tried to, you know, go out for a few nights and, and see what we could find out. And luckily, they didn't have any more problems for about a month. And now something brand new is, is starting again. So it's not just the good or, I mean, you know, I, I, and correct me, but the limited research I've done indicates that, you know, you have spirits that walk this earth that are human and non-human. Now, the non-human can be angels, but they can also be demonic. Exactly. And then, of course, you have the human spirits. Um, people like, and I honestly believe this, that my mom comes to me. Absolutely, she does. And so does my dad on occasion. These are human mm -hmm. spirits. These were people that we knew and loved while they were here. Yeah. Um, but both are attracted to this child. Yes. Okay. I had a psychic tell me once. Um, he said, people like you, he said, are like a candle in the nighttime to these things. Because you understand and they know that somehow some way you might possibly be able to help them so they're attracted to you and you know it's the same thing you know that i told this child you know i tried to explain this maybe she could understand it better because she just at this point doesn't understand what's happening to her well she's she just what, can't figure it out just turned eight yeah and how and why is this happening to her? That's probably exactly sure that's what she's, what she's going through. And it's it's so sad. She just she broke my heart to pieces. I hope that you can uh, update us on that, and we certainly say a prayer for that family. Yeah, it's it's ongoing. I mean, really, like I told them, I don't quit. I'll be there for you. What are some of the types of hauntings that you've encountered? The best and the worst. You know, uh, we know that there's what there's residual. And then there, yeah. there's intelligent. intelligent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the most, the most that we ever see are intelligent. Um, they know what they're doing. They know why they're there. And they know what they want. And that's usually to terrorize you. Sometimes um, they just want to, you know, see what you're doing, check you out. And then the worst that I can remember by far, I've had a couple bad ones, but um actually i've had two demonic cases that i'll never forget the first one was attached to a child and i went to this family's home alone like an idiot first of all um my other team members were gone they couldn't they couldn't make it so i didn't want to leave this family hanging so i show up and the mom's already distraught telling me what's going on nobody believes her she's so sick of people making fun of her at work her family's making fun of her could i please just come up and witness this i said i'm here for you let's let's go we go up to this this boy's room he's 14. he immediately tells me that this thing and i'm not going to mention any names because okay. something i will never do is mention a demonic right. name right right he told me that this thing didn't like me and I said well that's good because I'm not here to make friends I'm here to help you he said you can try he said but he said nothing will work he said I know I'm doomed 
And I said, it's oppressing you. You're not doomed. There is help. If I can't help you, at least somewhat, you know, then we will call for backup. I'll get a priest in here to help. Don't don't ever give up. That's what this thing is wanting you to do. It's the second stage of possession is open. Absolutely. It's 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 getting him. And so I have holy water. So I go around his room, blessing his room, then I sit down to talk to him and he said, Oh my gosh. He said, Look, it just jumped on the wall. I said, How really? How how tell me where? He said, Right there. So I take my equipment over there and my equipment goes off full scale. He goes, oh, wait a minute, he's over there. Walked over there, all my equipment, and I, you know me, I take a lot of backup equipment yeah. because I just don't listen to, you know, what people say, I want proof. So I uh, go over to the other side of the wall, it's going off full blast. I also have my recorders going at this time and I'm hearing this thing tell me to die. So I tell his mother, you know, you guys are just going to have to bear with me. We're going to have to try to get through this. So we attempted to help him. We attempted everything possible that only, you know, me as one person can do. All my equipment, holy water, everything I've got going, you know, trying to help this kid and trying to get him to talk to me and talk sensibly back to me instead of this just I want to die type thing and all of a sudden he comes up out of the bed that he was kind of laying back in talking to me pushes me backwards and runs out the door when I get up and I turn around I notice everywhere around me is black fog like if I can if you could see black static if I could just you can picture it in your mind I'm looking all around at this black static and I'm like what and what is going on and and then at this point in time is when I looked up and I saw eyes and I smelled it and I knew exactly what it was and I it, it was a probably I was I'm gonna say it was probably at least eight feet tall. And what, you could what see kind of it. smell was it? Oh, it it was smelled like pure sulfur. It was super tall, super just awfully just smelly. You couldn't see I mean you could see barely through it, but it felt like you can't run, you can't walk. It's like it has you like in a stuck. And I never experienced anything like that. So, you know, I started saying the Lord's Prayer because, you know, when in doubt, always keep that handy. And I feel my legs finally letting through. And the mom, I can hear her downstairs. And I told them all, I said, get out of the house. All of you all get out of the house. And here comes the dad up the stairs cussing and with the baseball bat. And I said, you know, you can't do that's not going to do any good I'm so sorry you know and I went downstairs and I got them all out of there and I told them I said you all need to go somewhere tonight let me call in some backup and I called a couple priest friends of mine and they couldn't make it till the next day Mm -hmm. so you know I, I begged them to stay somewhere else 
And he looked at me, the boy did, and he said, no matter where I go, he said, it's going to follow me. He said, if we go to the hotel, it's going to follow me. He said, this thing's going to kill me. It's just a matter of time. What do you think started all this? I mean, why was this? Oh, I got to the bottom of it. I worked on this for three months. Um, his girlfriend was a little older than him. Um, and her and a couple of her friends had been uh, playing with the Ouija board. Mm. And uh, blood. And trying to do all these little witchcraft spells that you can go and get books on and all that. You know, and he, he broke down and he told me, you know, he said, you know, I asked her not to do that around me. He said, I felt really uncomfortable with it. He said, and she just said, oh, it's for fun. He said, and I honestly believe it came home in the car with me from her home. Yeah, it was something that we talked about earlier in this episode was the dangers of Absolutely. Ouija boards or spirit boards. And let's say that you had somebody like me. I, I, I won't mess with these things. But let's say that you had somebody that's inexperienced in investigating. Uh, you know, a former guest of ours on this episode, John Marshall, said, when you do EVPs alone and you're inexperienced, it's almost the same thing as playing with a spirit board. You're asking for it. You're asking for trouble. Yes, that's you're exactly what he said. Mm-hmm. You know the name Ron Buell? Uh, yeah, well, my I am six. That episode? Yeah. I am six. Mm-hmm. That all spawned from a girl who had an interest in EVPs. Yep. And she, if I'm not mistaken, she all but became possessed, didn't she? She did. And it was, it, 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 it was from that. Now, you said that there was two cases that are really prominent to you. What was the other one? Uh, the other one was, is also a demonic uh, and this one is first of all I want to warn any of the viewers if any of this type of thing bothers you you might want to give it a couple of minutes because I'm going to be talking about about a car wreck involving a family oh here in Lexington um, there was a, a terrible car wreck and it was one of my husband's friends he left the bar and He shouldn't have ever even thought he could even drive. He went up the interstate um, backwards, crashed into a family of five, and killed every one of them, children and the parents. And they instantaneously, it complete was fire from start to the finish. So um, we went up there, you know, about a year had passed, it was around the same time. So we went up there just to check it out because he, he just wanted to show me, you know, where that was, you know, one of his friends and stuff. He wanted to show me the area. So he did. So I decided to get out because I I had a hunch. You know, my hunches, they always turn out pretty bad. I had a hunch something was going on. And then we had a really bad smell. Same smell that, that sulfuric okay. smell. So we got out. Took some uh, equipment with us, and whenever I started going around the equipment and asking questions, I'm like, "Is there, you know, is there something here that may want to, you know, contact us?" There goes my meters beeping as loud as possible. So I told I told him I said, "Start taking some some photographs, some pictures." He gets out and walks over, and the minute he does, 
we start hearing growling. And I said, okay, that's crazy right here on the interstate. There was nothing coming by, no cars, just a deep, low growl. I now, said, just so I'm clear about this, Lexington runs, inter- it's adjacent to two interstates, 64 and 75. Which one mm-hmm. were you on? The one that is um, actually right here beside of my house on Manowar. Okay. Okay. Yep. So I'm you, you just go right off Manowar here. Mm-hmm. Um, the equipment went off. The growling started. We started smelling it. I'm like, could it possibly be something is going on here? He said, I don't know. I've never seen anything like it. And we, we started noticing pictures. And up on the road where the whole accident happened, the road was a figure with horns. With horns. With horns. So you know how I think you hear when tragic, terrible, horrible things like that happen, you know, demons and things like that, they, uh, they like that sort of thing. So they like to hang around areas like that so that they can feed off of human pain and suffering. Yeah, but for the life of me, I, I believe that that's what it was doing there. The person that was driving the car that caused the collision, did he survive? Nope. So everyone... Six of them. Six people in that accident, uh-huh. all dead, including children. Yep. My God. Yep. How do you cope with this? You know, that's when, you know, he was telling me about it. And I said, oh, my gosh. And he goes, well, I'll, I'll drive you up and show you, you know, one of the scenes. And, you know, because we were, we were just driving around talking about things. And that's when he was actually learning about some of the, of you know, places that I'd been and some things that I'd seen. And, you know, when we got out and experienced that, it, you know, that changed him. That was the first time. And he's like, you know, the paranormal is no joke. He's like, you know, you were right. It's no joke. No, it's not. And a lot of people approach it just like like the girl did in your first case. Oh, it's for fun. That's not, uh, that is completely the wrong attitude to approach this with. I'll tell you another great one uh, that happened to me not long ago. We went up to Pikeville to uh, Octavia Thatcher's graveyard. Yes, we actually did an episode on her. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, we did. And um, I walked around for probably 20 minutes and... You know, the thing about the gift is you can connect with certain spirits. And if you're empathic on a certain level, you can feel how they were feeling. And I think that you do that a lot, too. I've seen it with you. But I don't know, and I'm not going to say that it was her, but something tried to attack me for two days after that. And I will never, as strong as I am, and hear me, I am not afraid of anything. I will never go back there. Whatever it was, it just about got me down. So whatever it was, was very powerful. I walked around, not just her area. I walked around the whole thing because I like to read those old headstones and pay respects and, and you know, walk around there. Some of them are just are eerily beautiful if it makes any sense. You know, a lot of our listeners may not understand this or be able to grasp this, but I'm going to ask you to step back in time to around 1977, 78, when we were both in school together. We were classmates. Do you remember how our teachers used to take us and we would hold hand in hand 
you know, we would have a buddy, is what they were called. And we would walk about the small town that we were from. Yep. And do you remember a time that we actually went, as morbid as this may sound, it was for an educational purpose, I assume, but we'd actually went to a cemetery. Do you remember that? Yes. And I, I distinctly remember being very drawn to certain elements of that cemetery. Mm-hmm, and those elements were uh, the headstones. Yes. But something inside of me said, be very respectful. Yes. People aren't in this life anymore, but they are still people. And I remembered looking over at you, you know, all the other kids, most of the other kids in our class were uh, cutting up, carrying on, you know, living life. Yeah. Yet you and I were, I just remember looking over at you and you had this element of calm, but yet sadness about you. I remember that, Stace. I remember yeah. that like it happened yesterday. And and I remembered thinking to myself, you too? Yeah. Because we were the only two there that I saw like that outside of the teachers. And the teachers were just being mindful, but there was two of them and they were standing over there talking. And I know uh-huh. exactly who they were. I won't mention names, but I remember one name. Uh, and and I'll, I'll bring this up to you after we close yeah. the video. But I remember her standing over there looking and she looked over at you and she looked over at me and she just kept <laughs> back and forth. Because we weren't, we weren't out there running over graves and stuff like that. And I've always been a very, I will not walk on a grave. No, me either. I will hop over it if I can. Yeah. Or walk around it. But I, to me, that's just a respect thing. Yes. It is. But I, I do remember some of that. So th- that brings me to my next question. Do you believe in the afterlife? And if you do, what do you think it's like? I do. I, I, I have to. In this world today, everybody has their opinions on, you know, atheism and their how can God let this world be like this? And, you know, all this crazy stuff going on but deep down inside your heart you know that we have a soul and you know that we have a heart and you know that when our soul leaves our body it's pure energy so it has to go somewhere so I would really love to believe that there is a heaven you know a lot of my spirits uh, my spirit box they'll tell me they call it the light when I've asked them several questions about when we pass and what happens to us and 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 they'll say you go to the light we're in the light mm-hmm. so and that light in my that light has to be heaven yeah that light is it's, heaven it's all love they say i wrote down a few notes on them every time i talk or get on there uh, it's all love i've heard that told me that bad spirits stay in the dark alone in the darkness like Um, serial killers murderers they stay alone in the darkness no love and that would be hell because there is no God the absence the complete and utter absence of God yes that has got to be hell I mean can you even imagine I'd rather not me either 
Man. You, know, you, you have accumulated a ton of evidence over the years. Um, and I want to get to something that I'm seeing in the video right now that's right behind you here in a few moments. Um, but what kind of tools do you use that have provo uh, provided scientific evidence? We have, um, gosh, we have so, so much that we like to take just in case. But now my favorites are um, my EMF detectors, like my Tri-Field, because yeah. they work with even just the slightest amount of EMF. They work the best. Um, now, for those people that don't know what EMF is, that's electromagnetic field. It's, right. um, it is typically given off by anything that produces any kind of electrical current. This thing will go crazy around a light switch that's active or, you know, you really get the readings with it in paranormal investigations. If you walk into a place and there's not much of anything on or, you know, yeah. like if everything is turned off, that is why so many times you will see investigators in the dark because they don't want false readings. They don't right. want these things. But let's say that you walk into uh, just as an example. Uh, any kind of building without power or any place without power and that EMF detector goes off, there's something there that has to be It's measuring it. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's something there that has to trigger it. Yeah. It's a scientific it fact that they have proven that ghost matter is electromagnetic fields. Yeah. they And, and that would also account for why sometimes people, let's say with a digital recorder or anything that's battery operated, get such a battery drain so quickly right that would explain a lot because it's having yes. power from some place you know yeah. listen you and i were on the case and watched that happen real quick yes we did yes we did i, I was first-hand witness to that and yeah um yeah i remember there were certain people there that were like <gasps> and to some of us it was like what um, a gift yep what I'm a gift are I'm, we so able i mean how how lucky are we to be able to give a family like that that kind of a gift that's what i live for yes so that was my next thing what has the evidence showed you oh uh, so much um we've got some new equipment coming in and i'm definitely gonna going to uh, do some of that for you on here mm -hmm. and then if you want to have some guests come on we can do some stuff for them mm -hmm. use the equipment there too but I mean, you learn so much. I mean, even even with a handheld recorder, you know, I take it everywhere we go. Just the, the most inexpensive equipment can do more than a $1,000 piece. I mean, just, I mean, a, a recorder, a little handheld camera. I mean, if you don't have that, even taking pictures with your phone. Yes, absolutely. But our little handheld recorders get all kinds of EVPs and 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 I mean... We've sat for hours and listened to some crazy EVP. Well, there are some haunted locations in Paintsville also. Oh, they are, they, they are all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you like the veil between this life and the next is getting thinner the more time goes on? You know, that would make perfect sense. I've thought about that. I mean, yeah, and I mean, as big as, as this planet is, you know, and... and everything i mean who's to say how many realities you know exist i mean we just we don't know we'd be crazy to even try to guess you know how many other other world or realms or i mean it's just it's crazy when you think about it 
It is. I think that there's infinite possibilities there. It, you're right. You're but it right. does seem like the more the time goes on, the thinner the veil gets between this life and the next. I agree. And I think you can feel it. Mm-hmm. You can feel it. The older you get, you can feel it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we're seeing it. Yep. We're seeing yep. it. I mean, yes. it's like we're getting more reports of um, hauntings and paranormal activity now than we have yep. in years past. Now, that could be due to equipment and everything else everybody's getting. It could be. And it also YouTube could be. and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And of course, you know, how many of them are real? Well, you know, out of the ones that I've seen, you know, let's say I've had, or let's say that I've seen or accompanied people on 10 cases, maybe one or two were actually unexplainable. Right. Um, but it's very yeah. rare that something's haunted. Yes, but it, it does happen. Absolutely. It does happen. Uh, and the only way to approach this is with an open mind. Yeah, you can be a skeptic, but you, can, you, all, you, you can't be such a skeptic that you have to say, there's no chance of it. There's just right. absolutely right. no chance of it. There's a little skeptic in all of us, especially when it comes to this line of work, you know. Yeah. Because you have to debunk, you know, everything first so that you, 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 know, I, you get it right. You and Lloyd and I. And uh, my daughter, uh, Sharon Barron, April's mom, we had went to a place called Wolf Lake in an investigation, trying to make contact with someone that a family had lost uh, due to drowning. That was his actual cause of death was drowning, but I do think that it was it goes deeper than that. I think it absolutely goes deeper than that. Yes, it does. But I remember us being out there and we were conducting... Uh, I think, well, let me say you were conducting an EVP session. I was in the background doing what I do best, which is just observing. That's where I belong and lending any energy that I could to it. And sure enough, oh my, things started to happen. Yeah. And I can, well, you can see right now. Unexpected. It was was Mm -hmm. something. Yes. And I just remember you and I looking at each other like, oh, hell, you got to be kidding me. And he came right out and indicated that this was no accident. Right. Rest of my memory. But it, it was at that point that I realized, okay. Now, is that to say that Wolf Lake is haunted? No. That's no. Just that his presence was there. And right. he came to his presence trying to comfort his family. Yeah. I do believe that he was that kind of person. Although yeah. I never met him, I do feel like I've, I, I know him. I'm, I'm the like, same yeah. way with him. He is. Mm-hmm. He is. He's just been something else. I'll tell you, he definitely just, his spirit is just so alive and it just is so heartbreaking. Yes. Kind of reminds you of April. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had April to speak to me directly through a portal, which was on the I gathering. Heard. Yes. She spoke to me through her mom's phone. Uh, and there's times I've been in here and you've been a company, you know, on a video when these lights in my studio would just start flickering for no reason. Yep. When we talked about April. Yep. She came through on the portal um, that one night we were talking to you and she said, love you, Chris. Mm-hmm. And that's what she called me. She never did call me Chris. It was Chris. It was, mm-hmm. that, that That was just April. Yeah, I mean, if that like that right there, that kind of evidence. What a gift was that? And I mean, that's validated because of her nickname for you. I mean, there's mm-hmm. not some voice over the radio just going to come across there and say, love you, Chris. You know what I'm saying? No. That's validation. No. And, you know, People can be skeptic about it all, but, you know, we know what it was. 
Now you have, you know, one of my, I had such a gift some time back. I think it was circa 2008 to speak with Lorraine Warren. Oh yeah. And my, my, she was just an incredible, an incredible and a beautiful soul, a beautiful. She's a peach. Oh, she is. And she, she had explained to me in some degree uh, that she had, you know, about the museum that the Warrens have on the occult. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of possessions there are haunted. Well, as a matter of fact, every possession in that museum is haunted. Oh, yeah. You've got kind of the same little thing going on. You know, yep. earlier throughout this video, for the people that uh, get to see the video, which is on Patreon, uh, $10 tier, you can watch this thing in its entirety. You get two of these a month, and that's just a part of what you get. But anyways, I was zooming in or kind of, uh, you know, stepping myself out kind of like I'm going to do right here. These are just a few of our haunted babies that we've been called to come and get through the years. Some some things that were, that were with them or, you know, just some of their little objects and things. But these are some of our babies that live with us now here in the office. This is the latest one. This one's Olive. And of course, we have our haunted violin and a few other little things that we've been asked to come and get because people were having problems. So this is just a few things that we have here. Um, we've got, I mean, all kinds of stuff in boxes. But these are just a few. And then we move this big chair over here and get out of the way. This is one of my favorites. This was our little grave bear that was somehow um, buried with a child. And about 10 years later, it was found at the child's home. Wow. So this is our sweet little bear. We've had him here. How long have we had him? Six, seven years, maybe. But so he was buried with a child. He and then was buried with a child. Uh-huh. Now tell me the story and behind Olive. Olive is our newest one. We've had her for about a week now. So we really haven't seen anything bad out of her. But um, it was said that she was causing um, a lot of problems in the home. Of course, look how sweet. I mean, yeah. I just don't I just don't believe it. She just is a little angel. Mm -hmm. But um, they said that she was causing quite a few problems with uh Making baby noises, like newborn baby noises. Yeah. Um, like after 2.30, 3 o'clock every night. And they also would sit her in a chair, which I have the chair too, that she's in. Mm -hmm. And they would come and look in the room to see what, what the problem was. Is it a cat? What's going on? You know, how everything goes through your mind. And she would be out of the chair sitting somewhere else. You remember the story of Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Well, Lorraine had told me, and, and of course, this also appears in the film as well, but um, human spirits do not take possession of dolls. Mm -mm. She said that only demonic spirits take possession of such things. Yeah. Um, what kind of measures are you taking to protect yourself and your family? Um, as soon as we get those, we usually um, stop by the church. I've got a private friend um, that takes care of a lot of that stuff for us and then we also uh, bless them about once a week here just to be safe 
you know, it's something that uh, Lorraine said that it, it was very similar to that, that they do blessings on that room that uh, is the museum with the haunted artifacts and that they do blessings yeah. so many times a week. Yeah. And she said that keeps things Just to be in. safe. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, I mean, good news is you and I have talked off key off, off of the uh, podcast and things like that. And, you know, the gatherings are back now. They're coming back. And um, I'd like for you to break uh, the news that you are going to be co-hosting. I would absolutely love to co-host with you. And there's something that we're going to have very special for uh, the people that come in and the people that, um, uh, you know, watch the gatherings. You have a very intricate very uh, i don't know of any other way to put this station but it's all it's an awesome piece of equipment yeah that's coming. ovulus yes the ovulus and you are actually going we're, we're going to allow some people to come onto the program with us through video of course and you are going to see if they can make contact with maybe a loved Absolutely. one or, or something like that uh we had done one in which my mom and dad came through and so I love to be able to offer offer your viewers um, anything that we can do like that for them. Hey, I'm here. We've got we've got the portal. Um, of course, it's always up and running. We've got the SB7 device. It's always up and running. Mm-hmm. But I would I would love to do that for your listeners. I think that that's absolutely fantastic, and I welcome you uh, wholeheartedly because. Uh, this thing is getting big enough now that, uh, I mean, I, I'm needing all the help I can get, and I could not think of a better person. Uh, you, you know, Amanda, you've spoken with Amanda. She's doing yes. our research now. Good deal. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's great. And when I talked to her about this, she was like, oh, my God, that would be awesome. She said, having Stacia on, she, yes, yes. Yes, me and Amanda had an instant connection. Yes. Uh, well, you helped her. Yes, I remember. Kind of, yeah, contact her dad. Yeah, uh, which was a very, very, very big deal for her. And when I heard my mom come through, and then my dad in the background being his normal self, you know, that, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that when we go on, our essence goes with us because that was my dad. But um, yeah, uh, the gatherings will take place Thursday nights at nine o'clock, uh, and, and we certainly look forward to it. And of course, it's going to be across. YouTube, Facebook channels, and all that stuff too, and probably grow. I know that we're on Twitch and wherever else I can find to put us. But keep in mind that the gatherings is not the actual podcast. It's to promote the podcast, and it's kind of like a brother or sister to the Mountain Mysteries. The Mountain Mysteries gatherings, we talk about the Mountain Mysteries. But, Sounds good. But there's also other things like this too, and I wanted our listeners to know that too. So, but yeah. Stacy, um, I know you got a lot to do, and I certainly appreciate you taking the time that you have to speak with us. Uh, I love it. I love spending time with you, especially talking about the things that we love. Yes, I do too, and reminiscing about when we were kids. So always, yes, always. Well, I offer you love and respect, and I thank you so much love for everything you to do. Okay, see you later. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye bye. It does provide some peace of mind and perhaps some hope that we, or our consciousness, the essence of who we are, continue after this life, after this journey that will no doubt test us. But I don't think it's all for naught. 
Some religions contend that this journey gets us ready for what's next. Some believe that if we don't learn what we need, we come back in an attempt to learn and relive it. While others contend that we pay the price for any wrong acts that we've committed in a place somewhere between heaven or hell. It's hard to say what is actually the truth. But then again, maybe we're not meant to know some things. That's where faith comes in. Beliefs are as different as the lives we live, and there's little room for any doubt there. What do you believe? Maybe more importantly, why do you believe it? If you like the Mountain Mysteries, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast, and please, if you would, like and share us on any platform that you're listening to this on right now. You can become a Patreon supporter and leave a one-time donation on our website, which is located at www.themountainmysteriespodcast.com, or you can on Spotify. Remember to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Mountain Mysteries and catch The Mountain Mysteries gatherings Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Next week, episode number 54, Till Death Do Us Part, The Mountain Mystery of Catherine Mary Knight from Tenterfield, Australia. Oh, trust me, you won't believe this one. A toxic relationship turns into a stew. I'm Chris Sloan for The Mountain Mysteries. Follow The Mountain Mysteries on Facebook.com forward slash The Mountain Mysteries. On Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash The Mountain Mysteries. And support us on Patreon. Links are on the homepage www.themountainmysteriespodcast.com. If you enjoy The Mountain Mysteries, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. That helps us so much. You can also help support the Mountain Mysteries by visiting our sponsors, whose links are below, or by donating at Patreon or the PayPal link shown in the notes. Patreon subscribers will receive early commercial-free episodes and more. Production of Sloan Studios. Stay mysterious.